everybody. Good to see all of you. Those of you who are online, glad that you're here too, that you're able to tune in with us. Um, by the way, my name is David, and I'll be your guide for the next 30 minutes, your Sherpa of Scripture. And uh, we're going to be uh, continuing on our um, exploration of uh, King David <coughs> in uh, 2 Samuel. So if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, you might want to turn there. 2 Samuel, we're going to be in chapter 5, just FYI. But before I get rolling here, there is somebody who wants to say hi. Hello, I am Sophia, and I am so excited to be part of Thrive Church and serve as a children's ministry director. A little bit about myself, I am from Colombia. I grew up in the church in a Christian family. And three years ago, I came to ORU, and I got a degree in psychology and another one in ministry and leadership. All my life, I have been so passionate about children and about them being able to experience the Father's love and for children to really develop roots for their faith journey. I am excited to create a place for children where they feel like they belong, where they know that they can ask questions, where they know that they are heard and cared for, and where they can really learn to hear the voice of God. I think that is the most important thing, that children will be able to discern learn from the Holy Spirit, learn about Jesus, and have this root and this identity clear, that they can grow in their identity as sons and daughters of the King. I am so honored to be part of this. I have been praying for you guys, and I am so excited to meet you, to meet your kids, and to be part of this amazing church. I am so happy for this opportunity, and I will see you soon. You get the sense that she's a little excited. Hello, I am Sophia. I know. Well, there we go. I'm going to do it again. Yeah, she's a little excited. Uh, so, yeah, Sophia is uh, moving here this week. Um, I think she'll be here Wednesday, Thursday, and moving in. And so um, she'll be uh, here worshiping with us uh, next week, Sunday. And we're pretty excited to have her, too. Um, kind of what you saw in the video is what you get. She is uh, that genuine, and uh, we're excited to have her. So uh, be praying for her. Um, there's a lot of question marks about, um, um, you know, the details that come when you're, when you're trying to move, um, especially when you're moving in from out of the country. <laughs> so uh, her parents have planted a church, I believe, in Mexico City, and, and so she's coming from there. <coughs> and hopefully everything will be smooth uh, as she moves into a new apartment and all that kind of stuff. So please be praying for her. In fact, I thought what we might do is we might do that right now. Okay, let's, let's pray. God, uh, first of all, we want to thank you for um, connecting us to Sophia. We don't believe that it is by coincidence, but rather that it is by your orchestration because you're good. And uh, this is your church, and we want who you want. And so we pray uh, for our sister, uh, Sophia, as she um, transitions back here. Um, I just pray that everything would happen smoothly, uh, from the flights to the um, to the move-in, to the, you know, just reconnecting with friends that she has in the area. Lord, we just ask you to be present in all of those things. And Lord, I just pray that uh, you would bless um, the work that she does here, the ministry that she has. And we're looking forward to seeing what you're going to do because, again, it's your church. And we want to um, pursue the things that you want us to pursue. And we thank you in advance for all you're going to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thanks. Uh, continue to pray for her over the week. That would be helpful. All right, uh, so we're continuing on our um, uh, exploration of uh, King David's life, um, his life and times, actually. And we're at, in that part of the story where 
Um, David is now made king. He's fought a civil war. He's finally king over a united Israel. And uh, last week we talked about how he took Jerusalem and made it his capital. And they lived happily ever after, right? Yeah, it doesn't usually work that way. Not quite. So let's pick it up here in 2 Samuel 5, verse 17. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. All right, let's hit the pause button right here because we need to talk about a couple of things that are, um, are in this verse. <clears throat> First of all, we need to talk a little bit about geography. So this valley, the valley of Rephaim, um, the, the best way, uh, first of all, it's an, it's an ancient uh, route to the coastal plain. So if you know anything about uh, the geography of Israel and kind of where Jerusalem is, um, this valley kind of sits on the southwest side of it. And so um, Jerusalem is up in the hill country and the uh, Philistines would have been along the, the coastal plain. And so this is an ancient route and it's an important um, strategically. Um, and up until this point, the Philistines didn't have to worry about this at all for the very reason is that the Israelites didn't have Jerusalem. The Jebusites did. Remember, we learned that last week. So David goes and he conquers Jerusalem, and now all of a sudden, um, this becomes important to, to that people group down there by the coast. Um, they're a little concerned about this. <clears throat> and they also know uh, David. So they, they heard and they went and searched and searched for him. And here's the question, why? You know, here it says, they heard that David had been anointed and they went up in full force to search for him. Why did they do that? It's a great question. I think there's two reasons for it. First of all is David's reputation. And I think this is a, a, a kind of a key factor. Because not only do we have uh, a king, we have a, a, a warrior king who's pretty good at, um, at command. Back when David was running from Saul, he actually went over to the Philistines. Um, you have to understand something. Within the Middle East, there's a lot of shifting loyalties depending on circumstance. Um, I think it's a cultural thing. Even though David was still loyal to God and he was still trying to be loyal to, to Saul and his, his, uh, his family by marriage, Ultimately speaking, he needed to protect himself, and so he shifted sides and went uh, to the Philistines. Here it is in 1 Samuel chapter 27. But David thought to himself, one of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The best thing I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hand. Hey, this is just, you know, save your own skin type of stuff, right? That's kind of important. It says David lived in Phil, uh, Philistine territory a year and four months. All right, so a, a pretty significant period of time where he actually worked for uh, a Philistine lord. <clears throat> and so then, later on, when the Philistines attacked Saul, David was not allowed to fight. Here it is in verse, uh, or chapter 29. These commanders said, send David back. He must not go with us into battle or he will turn against us during the fighting. Well, yeah, I mean, that makes yeah, I'd be concerned about that too. How better could he regain his master's favor than by taking the heads of, of our own men? Isn't this the David they sang about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. So obviously these Philistines are a little concerned about him 
And so they send him back to his assigned village, and his prowess and command was well known by the Philistines. Okay, so David's reputation has, has preceded him. They're fully experienced with him as a commander. The second thing I think that's important here is that the reason why they searched for David was due to circumstances. <clears throat> that's the second reason. Verse thir- uh, chapter 31 of 1 Samuel, Now the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them, and many fell dead on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines were in hot pursuit of Saul. Okay, does anybody else have Smokey and the Bandit in your mind when you see that? Is it just me? Okay, good. They were in hot pursuit of Saul and his sons. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. Okay, so you've got, you've got um, this battle that uh, ensued, and so Saul and his three sons and his armor bearer and all his men died together that same day. When the Israelites saw that the Israelite army had fled and that Saul and his sons had died, they abandoned their towns and fled, and the Philistines came and occupied them. Okay, this is the backdrop, right? So Saul is dead. The king is dead. And now David becomes the new king. Now, here's the thing that you, you must understand. You must understand this. When there is a transition in leadership, that is an opportune time to disrupt things. Always. And in, we, we can see this throughout history, but in another case. And so you, here you have a group of Philistines. They had killed Saul, and if they did the same of David, a decisive blow to the Hebrews would have been dealt. Do you see that? We just knocked off one king. You got another one? Fine, we'll take him too. And now all of a sudden, you've got a very different relationship between the people in the hill country and the people on the coastal plain. So remember, there's a historical context to this that you, we cannot overlook. This is a big deal strategically for this particular um, uh, time in Israel's history. You take out the renowned leader um, at the unstable moment, and that would have uh, solidified Philistia's domination of the entire region. And this is important stuff because it's easy to gloss over this, but this historical piece puts things into perspective and we can see why the Philistines went up and searched for him. So let's see what David does in response. So here we go, back to 2 Samuel, verse 5. So David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? That's his response. Now he's all set, he's ready to go, but he makes the inquiry here. And I want to point out a couple features think they're important. First of all, <laughs> David inquired of the Lord, very simply. And by the way, this repeats a few verses later in verse 23. David inquires of the Lord a second time because the Philistines came back for more. We've read this phrase before, haven't we? Because uh, we've talked about it in the past. Let me just kind of remind you. First Samuel 23, once David Once again, David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him. Chapter 30, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? And then 2 Samuel chapter 2, in the course of time, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah, he asked. So this is a repeated pattern that David has. He inquires of the Lord, asks uh, asks him a question, because he's looking for some type of guidance. David often did this, um, but not always. 
Uh, it's actually quite puzzling to me because um, there's no mention um, there's no mention of David inquiring of the Lord when, say, he went to uh, uh, capture Jerusalem. I just find that rel- uh, rather interesting. The author seems to include this phrase uh, whenever there's an, Im- an important event. It's, it's almost like the author is signaling something to us. And perhaps David was known for inquiring of the Lord, and, and the author is just um, using this in, in a way to, to, to try to uh, get the uh, reader's attention that something important is happening here. I don't know. That's just kind of speculation at this point. The second feature here is I want you to notice that there are two questions. He says, so David inquired the Lord, shall I go and will you deliver? Two questions. And I think this is important <clears throat> because one is very general. Shall I go up and meet the Philistines? Shall I go up and attack them? And the other is much more specific. <laughs> are you going to help me? That's a pretty big one, I think. I think sometimes we don't necessarily ask that, 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 that second question. And yet, one of the things that I find when I'm, when I'm um, doing my own journaling, um, just in my own discipleship, is that um, the second and third questions are almost the most important, almost always. Because I can ask the Lord a question, and I can get a response, and it's almost like God is saying, like, no, no, I want you to ask me more. I'm not done yet. Okay. And, and so don't be surprised that if you, um, <laughs> if you don't get the type of answer you're looking for on the first question. It's almost always an invitation to ask another one and another one and another one because it's in those questions and that conversation that you have with God where you really learn his heart and the ideas that he has for, for you and for the people around you, I think, sometimes. So, David goes out after he makes this inquiry, will you deliver? And the Lord says yes, and so he goes and he attacks and he wins. A couple verses later, the Philistines come back for more. Apparently they're not done yet. Glutton for punishment or something. And David asks again, you know, makes the inquiry. The Lord gives him a different answer this time. Uh, He gives him some very specific direction. Attack them from this particular angle. And David only asks one question that time. And I think what that does is it shows us that as we begin to ask the Lord and we begin to hear and we begin to respond to him, the Lord begins to trust us with more details as we go along. Sometimes you have to work for those details. You gotta ask the Lord, make your inquiry. You ask the Lord the question. You wait for the answer. You ask the second, the third question. But don't be surprised if later on down the road you find that you don't have to go through the same process. Why? Because your relationship is developed and the Lord trusts you. The Lord begins to trust you with with the the details that he he chooses to give. Um, I can't say that that's an axiom, that that's something that happens all the time, but it it seems to me to be evident here in the text. So David goes through this, this process, but he had no need for the second question during the second battle. Now, as you can imagine, David is successful here. <clears throat> he chases the Philistines out of Israel back to the coastal plain. And here in verse 25, David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. And by the way, if you look on a map, that's a long way. I mean, he was, he was busy that entire time trying to chase him out of the hill country. 
So here we have two decisive battles through divine intervention. And we're going to talk about that battle later, by the way. But I want to draw your attention um, to a particular word. And it's this word inquire. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, but I felt um, as I was kind of doing the study in this that the Lord had more for us when we were talking about this idea of inquiry. And by the way, for those of you who uh, like the language, the Hebrew here is, uh, is sha'al, and um, it basically means to ask a question or to inquire, okay? The most basic sense is to ask. But it also carries with it this idea of seeking. Because I think you can ask a question offhandedly. We do this all the time with our spouses and especially our kids. I ask them a question offhandedly. But this particular word carries with it this idea of actually seeking something out. Um, there's a sense of almost care to it. Not only am I asking a question, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning into the question. There's a certain amount of care. There's a certain amount of, of, of seeking that's involved. It is definitely not casual, and it's not offhanded. Okay? So I'm going to say that about that particular word. But I want to also suggest something. Um, but I, I think this is important that you hear me say this. Um, I want to suggest something that, frankly, I'm learning how to do too. Because rem remember, I'm, I don't have this all figured out. Um, this is something that I'm trying to learn as well. It's my own discipleship. I'm trying to develop a relationship with God. And in the process, I learn new things. And so this is something that I, I'm finding that I have to learn for myself too. So keep that in mind. It's a relatively new concept for me. Maybe you've got it worked out. If you do, great. But I think there's this shift in my own mindset that's happened. And frankly, it's something that I need to practice too. And, and here's, here's what I want to say about it, and then I'll, I'll use this as a jumping off point. Praying about something is not the same as inquiring. Let me say that again. To pray about something is not the same thing as making an inquiry. They are two very different things. This, this hit me the other day. And I want you to think about this for a moment. Because very often we'll say, oh, let me pray about that. And, and if you do, great. But oftentimes when we pray about something, we usually have some type of list where we ask God to do stuff. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, that's how we do it in my house. Maybe, maybe, maybe you got this figured out, okay? But this, this for me was, was something I, I think that is pretty important. To pray about something is not the same thing as making an inquiry. They're very different, um, different ideas, very different concepts. Sometimes we want God to answer, but the fact of the matter is we prayed about it and we never really asked a question. And we're waiting for answers. But you didn't ask a question. You prayed about it. You, you presented it. You prayed about it. Okay, fine. Or the other thing that we often do is we'll ask a general question, I think it's to hedge our bets a little bit, I suppose. And not something specific. But we ask a general question, and, you know, and surprise, surprise, we get general answers, right? They're not necessarily um, specific or exactly what we're looking for. But consider David's approach here. 
So David inquired the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? Notice something. At no point did David go before the Lord and say, oh Lord, what should I do? That's general. Are you tracking with me? This is really important, I think. It's too general. It's also, um, when, David's, when David is inquiring of the Lord, he's asking about the most direct option, and then he asks what the Lord will do. You see the difference here? He didn't say something like, oh Lord, what should I do? The other thing he didn't do is say, oh Lord, bless me as I go and attack the Philistines. We do that as well, don't we? We have a plan, and we just want the Lord to bless our plan. We do this all the time. Let me rephrase that. I do this all the time. I don't know about you, but I do this all the time. And I, I'm, I'm actually feeling a great deal of conviction over this kind of a thing. But interestingly enough, to me, shall I go and attack the Philistines? The second question actually sharpens the first. Shall I go attack them, and will you deliver them? which acknowledges the fact that the real power here is not in David's army, but in the Lord. So the second question sharpens the first. And the first one is pretty specific. It's not general. Shall I go do this? And will you do your part? Because I don't want to do it if you're not involved. Are you, are you seeing this? It's really important. He's looking for direction and he's looking for victory, and oh yes, he listens and then responds. Surprise, surprise. He does as the Lord asked him to do. So it's not always, but very often, we'll do this thing where I'm going to pray about it. And we'll have this kind of general or very open-ended sort of, of prayer, or maybe it's we just ask the Lord to bless something, but most of, of us want God to answer, but we don't ever really inquire. And I think that that's a big, big distinction. If you're still wondering, if you've got something on your heart, on your mind, if, you, if you're still wondering what the Lord is, is trying to say, <laughs> my guess is you need to ask a specific question. And not do this generally, but ask very specifically. I mean, you might need to just ask the question to begin with. Um, there's a passage in Philippians chapter 4. Um, the, the New Testament writer Paul is writing to a church. <clears throat> and, he, and he makes this, this statement. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, make your request known to God. You know this one? It's Philippians chapter 4. It's, a, it's a, a common verse. It's one of those refrigerator magnet theology verses, right? You get those or put it on a bumper sticker and yes, you're a theologian. But perhaps, um, yeah, I guess I don't want to press this too hard, but I, I think there's a big difference between a request and an inquiry. I think there's a big difference between those two things. A request is when you ask God to do something. Lord, please. Lord, please protect us. We do this for our kids all the time. Oh, Lord, please protect us. 
I know a lot of people pray for me. Oh, God help him. (laughs) I know. I understand. But that's a request. We are asking the Lord to do something for us. That's a request. An inquiry is very different. An inquiry is asking God for a red light or a green light or some type of direction. Lord, shall I fill in the blank? Lord, should I take this job? Lord, should I make this phone call? Lord, should we make this move? Lord, should we buy this car? Whatever. You see the difference? One is a request, the other is an inquiry. One is seeking direction, the other one is asking God to do something for us. Now, this might seem like I'm hair-splitting a little bit. I, I understand that. But if you're not seeing your prayers answered, maybe you need to ask yourself the question. One, have I really asked? And number two, am I making a request or am I making an inquiry? Which is the most appropriate here? Because very often, I'm convinced of this, we know what the right answer is and we're afraid to ask God about it because we don't want to do what the right answer is. Oh, we're laughing. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, you've been there too, right? I think that's very true is that you know, sometimes we just need, we know what the right thing to do is and we just need the green light from God. We're not requesting him to do anything, but Lord, shall I? I'm looking for some direction here. And will you help me? Great second question to ask. And so I wonder, maybe we're requesting God to do something when we'd be better, when we'd be, uh, be better off inquiring what he'd like us to do. Think about that for a moment. Sometimes I think that when we request God to do something for us, we would be much better off asking the Lord if there's something he'd like us to do. Do you see the difference? This is not insignificant to our discipleship. At least I don't think so. I think everyone here probably has a prayer or two that's unanswered. That would be my guess. Or you've had in the, in the past. And I, I'm, I'm just kind of wondering as we go through all of this. Are you making a request? Or are you making an inquiry? And moreover, which do you need? Look. I believe the Lord wants to speak to us. In fact, I think he's speaking to us all the time. Sometimes we don't dial in. Sometimes we don't, aren't listening correctly. But sometimes we're not asking the right question. And I don't think it's a formula. I don't think that God sits up there with his arms folded and, and just waits for us to, to say the magic words. I don't think it's that way at all. But I think what the Lord is poking and prodding us to do is a matter of our character and he's asking us look are you do you want me to do something here or are you really inquiring of me and because I love you and I want to go deeper with you and I want you to go deeper with me I'm not going to just give you a blank check kind of answer I really want you to pursue this 
You have to understand that if the Lord is speaking to us all the time, it is always about building relationship with us. Always. I cannot think of a time where the circumstances in which we're praying, in which we're living, isn't for our relationship to be built with him in some way, shape, or form. Everything comes down to relationship. First of all, that's how big God is. So even that, that person that you work with that you really don't like, yeah, God might be poking and prodding you over that one too. But he's saying, are you going to trust me? Are we going to have a relationship here? Are you making a request? Are you making an inquiry? Let's, let's sort that out. And, and I think it's perfectly fine if we reason with the Lord on that. I think he wants that because, again, it builds the relationship that we have. I hope that makes sense. So I, I want to close tonight, uh, today, by, um, by praying for those of you who have an unanswered prayer. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything like that. <clears throat> but for those of you who have that thing, you know what it is, that thing that you've been praying about or you've been talking to the Lord about, okay, let's be honest, you've been grousing to the Lord over, right? You've been complaining. and you really want some type of an answer, I want to pray for you. And you can do this any way you want, but I'm just going to ask everybody, close your eyes. And um, if you've got one of those issues, I'm just going to ask you to, to sit with your, just with your hands wide open, okay? Just on your lap, palms facing up, just keep them open. I know, it's... God... I recognize in a group this size there's probably a lot of unanswered prayers. There's a lot of uh, indecision. There's a lot of um, probably a lot of hurt too, Lord, I would imagine. People desperate to hear from you. For whatever reason, Lord, they haven't gotten the type of response that they had hoped for. And Lord, my guess is that they believe that you're speaking, but they can't hear you. And Lord, I want to break that wall down. I want people to hear you speak to them. I want them to hear your voice so that they can know you. And God, as, as we sit here with our, our hands open, I would ask your Holy Spirit to come and uh, give some insight. I'm making a request, Lord, that you would give insight to every person here. That they might know the difference between a request and an inquiry. That they would not be afraid to ask you the tough question, the one that they, <laughs> they're afraid to ask. And Lord, with their hands open that they might receive from you that insight, that knowledge, that wisdom, that discernment, and God, that hope that there is a God who's on the throne that's still talking to his people. 
we believe that the same God who answered David will answer us if we have the courage to ask the questions. And Holy Spirit, as we sing that song again, I pray that you would bring up story after story in the minds of every person here that you spoke to your people in the past and you are continuing to speak to this day and yes, everybody in this room is qualified to hear you. Once again, Holy Spirit, Thrive Church is your church. These are your people. You get to do what you want to do here. And so we invite you to be here, to do the things that only you can do, to speak the words that only you can speak, to build the sensitivity that only you can in the hearts and minds of men and women. Not only do we want you to be present today, Lord, and oh, we want that. We long for you to be active too. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.